What's up, queens? It's your host, Ro. Do you like female dating strategy? Would you like to see us expand on a lot of different platforms? Then please sign up for our Patreon. We are currently targeting a $10,000 per month goal, which would allow us to work full-time on female dating strategy content in order to expand on different platforms and upgrade our media presence. As a special thank you to our current Patreon subscribers, we will be increasing our upload rate for our bonus content to be weekly on Fridays, as well as offering a special discount for paid annual memberships so please check out our patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy that's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy thank you let's start the show what's up queens welcome to the female dating strategy podcast the meanest female only podcast on the internet i'm your host ro and this is savannah and i'm lilith and finally drum roll please the much-awaited Pretty much completely anticipated showdown with Jezebel.com. Infamous libfem pick me hive. The architect of everything wrong with sex posi feminism. Created by and for libfem pick me's. Yep. Uh, just to say, this particular showdown, unbeknownst to us, has been in the making for the past 12 months. And the writer, Tracy Clark Flurry, has had a, I'd say, roasting from FDS a year ago. So basically, in February of this year, Tracy Clark Flory, she's a senior editor, I believe, at Jezebel. Senior staff writer at Jezebel covering sex, gender, and feminism. Author of Want Me, A Sex Writer's Journey into the Heart of Desire. I'm sorry, but the title, Want Me, it's like, pick me, choose me, want me. Even the title is pick me. Even the title is Pick Me, and she couldn't even resist. In February of this year, she wrote that book called Want Me, and she was basically doing a press tour for all of these different newspapers and magazines plugging her book. And she wrote an article on Jezebel.com describing her quote-unquote sexual journey. Didn't she also write the article Do the Patriarchy to Me? Yeah, so so one of the articles that she wrote was on Jezebel.com was literally titled Do the Patriarchy to Me. And it is the most pick-me bullshit I feel like we've read in a long time, right? So... Our Twitter lit our ass up. Not like a regular roast. We didn't show any mercy. <laughs> no mercy. Like straight up. We cremated this bitch. We dropped this. We drop kicked her ass into a kiln. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't respond until this week. She didn't respond. She didn't respond until now. Until this week where she wrote this article. So I want to talk about. Okay. So. I want to read you a couple excerpts from this article that people took issue with. So apparently Do the Patriarchy to me is an excerpt from her book, Want Me. So first of all, first of all, what our readers took issue with and what our Twitter took issue with is that the photo to this article is actually really, really graphic. You're seeing a girl with her hair pulled back, um, and obviously like giving fellatio to some dick off camera, but like her neck's really snapped back. So it's it's kind of an, it looks like an aggressively brutal. It looks like a face fucking, yeah. She's basically choking on a dick, yeah. And that's the imagery there. And so first of all, a lot of our users um, were just like triggered by that off rip or like why would you put this for women who have been sexually assaulted seeing that image was the phrase do the patriarchy to me even if you do genuinely have the desire to be degraded it bothers me when women put these sorts of articles out there because one men see that shit and they think oh women like to be abused women love the patriarchy women love to be oppressed that's why i should treat them like shit secondly like other girls look at that and there's an element of social contagion there 
Yeah, the, yeah, the whole thing is basically her feeling insecure because of like porn and then having a lot of casual sex in which she basically uses to self-abuse. The opening paragraph of this article goes like this. It was an unforgettable, instantly recognizable sound. Glug, glug, glug. Gagging until tears, mascara smearing like that of horror movie heroines. There was saliva, so much of it, frothy and thick, desperately spit out amid gasping breaths or else escaping from the sides of one's mouth. A face held between palms or hanging over the arm of a couch. Men saying, take it or good girl or choke on it. Here I have to ask myself, am I writing a love poem or a feminist polemic? That was so disgustingly graphic. Like, it is so graphic for no benefit as well. She's basically describing the average violent porn scene. Yes. Most porn has that clip in it where the woman has her head over the back of the couch or uh, over the arm of the couch or whatever, or just like the violent face fucking, this like degrading shit. Yeah, so the rest of it's like her describing her. It just feels very self masturbatory, right? So it's like the rest of it is her describing, like navigating all these videos and like masturbating herself. <sighs> Gosh, I'm I'm writing about deep throating clips, face fucking videos, scenarios involving women to various degrees, passive or active during a blowjob. And then she talks about how you know she watches. She's basically porn sick. This is a woman who's porn sick, essentially. Yeah, deeply porn sick. We talk about men being porn sick, but women can be porn sick too. Yeah, so she's she's basically saying the rest of this is like she fakes orgasms with partners, basically admits to being a cool girl because she's like watching these videos, like trying to be the kind of sexual fantasy she thinks these men want. At the end, there's this dialogue where she says, he was the first man with whom I'd never faked an orgasm. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, girl, <laughs> you're saying you've faked an orgasm with every man you've ever had sex with? Wow, that's such a self-own. But it's not even just, like, laughing at her doing this. It's the fact that, like, the Jezzies have long since been the type of people that... Uh, they they consider their uh, progressive sexual politics and the fact that they can take this kind of abuse. And like, here's like her in her now mid thirties actually stopping to analyze that. But I'm like, you've been writing for Jezebel for what, like a decade. And it's almost like she's getting this from, because I've read a lot of erotica in my time. Like it's almost like she's trying to be a good erotic writer. And like sometimes in these books as well, you would get a line. Um, this was most, I guess prominent when I read a book like Fifty Shades of Grey where it was trying to be sexy and it wasn't where you could tell the author thought yeah this is gonna make them really wet and it literally like dries you up faster than a pap smear but this line do the patriarchy I was like what like how is this it's disturbing it's actually disturbing like it's like she can't dream of another narrative for her sexual experience so she like has to it's almost like she voluntarily and then happily frames all of her sexual experiences through the male gaze and also but trying to link it to feminism as well when it's clearly not it's very disturbing yeah i i get the sense of a woman who's like really really internalized a lot of the porn culture narratives doing like very specific porn induced acts that probably weren't part of the national conversation until porn really blew up right like so you know that this is at least culture at least partially culturally influenced and if you criticize it all they'll be like you're you're sex negative or you're not feminist yeah exactly so they're, they're reflexively antagonistic towards anybody that might say like hey sis you might be a little bit porn sick 
Yeah, you might want to examine like your problematic relationships. And she she even describes a scenario where like, so she has one part of this article or another article of the, of the review of her book where she says after her mother was diagnosed with cancer, uh, Clark Flory asked one man to choke her so aggressively he left bruises. She even slept with her favorite male porn star, recreating an act she'd seen him perform with women. The ultimate representation of men's desire, quote unquote, that made her vomit. So she literally is like vomiting. She's having such rough sex that she's self-abusing through sex. So some people can react differently to traumatic news like a parent having cancer or, or a parent passing away. But she's just not really doing that. Um, yeah, she's not really connecting the dots. And I just think it's quite irresponsible to make it so graphic when it was clearly quite a traumatic experience for her because it's almost she's it's almost as if she's bragging about the experience while simultaneously saying that I mean, not even simultaneously saying that it came from quite a dark place as well. She's pornifying us, right? She's exposing us to more porn when she talks about this. So there's like a sensational, ex- there's almost like a, um, a creepy grooming aspect to it, right? Rather than like describing what happened, doing the critical analysis that I think a lot of people would take a step further, especially radical feminists and saying like, okay, here's where these images came from. Here's the responsibility I have to myself or the responsibility I have to either womankind as a whole, but also like critical analysis of how uh, this affects us as a sex class. None of that's here. She just basically settles on like, I want my husband to do the patriarchy to me. I'm sorry, but you can say that this behavior is possibly feminist, but you weren't thinking of Simone de Beauvoir or Andrea Dworkin when you were going out and shagging these men and, you know, getting them to choke you. Yeah, Andrea Dworkin would be turning over in her grave if she knew that this woman was saying this was feminist. (laughs) They refuse to platform, like, radical feminist critical thought for that reason, because I feel like a lot of the stuff is called out and how a lot of the violence and sex is the result of pornographic infiltration of our culture. But like one, Jezebel seems to just completely reject that as like a general editorial voice. And then two, there's no resolution to this other than like, she doesn't want to actually do any type of reflexive analysis of how this is affecting all of us, really. It's just like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm so cool. Yeah, she doesn't think about how other women reading her articles or even men reading her articles. She doesn't think about the impact of that writing on women. I mean, she's team patriarchy. She's literally saying she's team patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. She's team patriarchy, but she's like just bombarding us with like her pornographic iterations. Like it just comes across very like self masturbatory, the entire article. Right. And I think people don't like being part of her public self-masturbation with absolutely like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It feels like icky to read this shit. It feels like an exhibitionist fetish, right? You know, some people like they want to have sex in public or whatever because they get off on like people seeing them stuff. This feels like I'm being part of her sexual fantasy against my consent. Like I'm reading this article about her talking about her fucked up sex life. And she's like, and it just feels like that's part of the fetish for her. But anyways, even the Jezzies are tearing her up in the comments for like the complete disregard for the graphicness of the imagery as well as the um the prose that she writes in here. Meaning like in the comments they're like, we find this really triggering. Some of this is getting like giving her PTSD vibes and she's like, it's graphic, it's bad, and I've been unable to escape it on this site. Meaning like Jezebel has just decided to kind of aggressively groom their audience with graphic sexual graphic sexual violence so anyway so that's the context in which we started dragging tracy clark flory on twitter so (laughs) fuck i remember reading jezebel when i was in my like late teens early 20s (laughs) 
I remember when I used to agree with some of this shit. I'm like cringing, <laughs> cringing at my past self. Jezebel used to be relevant for young women anyways. It's not anymore. Yeah, it's not anymore. And I feel like a big part of it is because of shit like this. I guess the clickbaity shock value sex, right? Rather than charting a path forward for enjoyable sex for women. It's like every single writer there was just talking about like their never ending trauma and journey to being a pick me while pretending to be a feminist right? They never did. (laughs) They like never did the step they needed to do to actually become empowered. So on to the hit piece that she wrote. Bearing in mind, right, I knew this was going to be a steaming pile of crap because I was surprised to see it on Twitter that she'd written an article about FDS. She hadn't approached us or any of the mod team as far as we are aware. So she was basically getting all her information from the subreddit alone. Not even from the subreddit. She quotes in like the second paragraph, people who hate us. She quotes Dominique Sisley as though she's a fucking source. Dominique Sisley! <laughs> Imagine being that bad as a journalist. You don't even contact the people you're writing about. You quote the people who hate them. If you guys have forgotten about Dominic Sicily, we gave her um, her own roasted several months back. The episode is Vice Media Comes to the Queens. To give her a slice of credit, she did approach FDS, but then she literally just, we may as well, we may as well not have bothered, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, she already wrote the article she was going to write and then was just looking for some kind of quote to validate. She may as well not bothered. Yeah, whatever she was going to say. But again, this is this is not like, um, this is not a legitimate piece of journalism where they talk about both sides and like that can, and try to give a balanced view of the issue. I mean, she says in the middle of the article, we'll talk about it later, where she's like, FDS has previously criticized me, blah, blah, blah. So she buries in the middle of the article, but it's very clear that this is just getting back at us for dragging her. <laughs> pick me as their stupid book on Twitter, right? So yeah, and and to be clear about this, she even says point blank um in or in one of the interview she does to plug her book that like as a young middle-class hetero cis woman she was often plucked to wade into the culture wars defending so-called hookup culture as empowering and enthralling clark flurry plumbed her own experience as evidence but as she writes i swarmed with contradiction i was a bona fide sex writer who sang the feminist gospel of sexual pleasure but my personal life made me feel like an imposter and like and that's just ultimately you know, she said she was sowing her wild oats, but rarely experiencing pleasure herself as she was more consumed with playing out what she thought men wanted from her. So like, yeah, pick me. Like the entire book is like, this is why I was a gigantic pick me for a decade, right? So she, so basically we dragged her for this because we we're like, it was really, really irresponsible for you to have like one narrative that you were doing publicly and then a completely different narrative that was playing out behind the scenes. Not to mention just like, this is God awful level pick me for anybody really but it's especially pick me for a person who purports to be a feminist sex writer i think like the saddest part is is that i just wonder how many young women and girls really took in what she was saying and decided you know yeah i'm gonna do the same thing and ended up having like a horrible time i think part of the reason why women's you know sexuality is often a secondary thought is that we just don't have honest conversations and the media is so so powerful especially like Lilith was saying you know Jezebel can be quite popular amongst you know young women and it used to be relevant for young women it used to be relevant I I read these sorts of articles at a time where I would be dating porn sick guys and they'd be showing me porn about stuff that they want to do and I would be like and I'm ashamed to admit it because at the time I had a similar I, at the time I had a mentality that was not unlike Tracy Clark Flory, where I'm not thinking about what I want or what my pleasure is, but, oh, I get off on 
being sexually appealing to the man. Or I, I get, I, I enjoy the crumbs of affection that he gives me, but it's that crumbs of affection when I do something fucking depraved for him is part of the grooming process, right? So we need to be able to have critical discussions about why is it that women enjoy sacrificing their own pleasure for the man? Like why exactly? Why is it that so many women are not having orgasms but are doing deep throating or thinking that deep throating is hot? Is it because we actually enjoy it, or is it because that's what men demand of us and we think, oh, if we want men to like us, this is what we have to do. Exactly. But do we have to do it? That's the thing. FDS is saying, no, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. But it just, it feels weird that like so many of the quote unquote feminist thought leaders or like the people who are given these large media platforms are just devastatingly bad pick right? Yeah, I had fucking low self-esteem when I was doing that. People who do this have low self-esteem. Yeah. Right? Because you don't have a sense of internalized worth. If your worth comes from the attention that men give you, then yeah, you're going to be jumping through hoops trying to do the things that you get praised for. What's important is to have a high sense of self-esteem. And that way, if men get mad at you because you won't let them do anal, you won't give them a face fucking blowjob or whatever, if your self-esteem is high, you'll be like, okay, well, fuck you. Like, if you're mad at me because I won't do that for you, then you can go fuck yourself. Right. And you'll move on. And you won't feel like there's something wrong with you because you aren't interested in sexually degrading yourself. It's almost expected that women's sexuality is an extension of a man's sexuality. Like, men have that message, but, you know, women like Tracy Clark Flory, they also push that narrative as well. It's a trope at this point. There's so many of these books, and I, it's almost predictable and cliche. There's so many of these books of women who are like, I was a sex-positive feminist, and I was a sex writer, and I was a relationship writer, and I was doing all this stuff publicly, and then it comes out. Like, they're doing they're displaying one image in their 20s and then they hit like 30 or so and then they suddenly have this retrospective where they want to talk about how society made them do all that stuff and then they have almost like this smug sense of like self-importance with this kind of thing it's almost like this i want to call it like white liberal porn right like where where you start you start from like this sex posy attitude and then suddenly you want everyone to pay attention to you while you relearn the lessons of the same things that women or like other feminists have been saying for a long time that you ignored and didn't pay attention to. Yeah, that's the other thing is we w- feminists have been saying this kind of shit. Like radical feminists have been criticizing sex posi- sex posi culture for decades. And what bothers me is even when she goes on her whole redemption tour, they'll say the things that rad femmes have been saying all this fucking time. Yeah, so I think we w- at first want to just roast how bad like the actual writing is before we get into the content. <laughs> over to you, Lilith. Yeah, over to you, Lilith. So my first thought reading this article, so just some background on me and my perspective on this article is that um, in university, I used to be a peer mentor. We Our university had a program for freshmen who couldn't afford to hire a private tutor where you could go to the library. There's, there's a student learning center. You can find volunteers who then help you you know, improve your papers, right? So that's what I did. I volunteered coaching freshmen how to improve their college level writing. And one of the things that I see all the time in unsophisticated or, you know, high school level writing is what's called floating a quote. And so I'd always tell my mentees, never float a quote. If you have a quote, you have to, you can't just like throw it in there randomly and expect the reader to understand why you put that quote in there. You have to engage with the quote. The, the purpose of having a quote should be to analyze it, not to have words that 
you want to write, but like, you're just too lazy to come up with the words yourself. So you just put someone else's quote in there, right? I see this pattern in almost every single paragraph of this article dragging FDS, where she'll make an outrageous claim about us, and then put a random quote next to it, but not actually explain the quote or the context. Like it's a cherry picked quote that she's taken out of context. And she just expects the outrageous claim to go unchallenged because she's put a quote next to it even though the quote very often is completely unrelated to the outrageous claim that she's making, right? If I received this as a, you know, this is my paper, like, how can I improve this kind of thing? I'd be like, yeah, you're floating your quotes. You need to contextualize the, the quotes more. You need to actually engage with the quotes in an analytical way. There's just no critical analysis. It's just very, it reads a lot like, a, you know, a freshman level, you know, fresh out of high school, never written a college paper before. It's just bad writing. That's all I have to say about it. It's just bad writing. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of, um, I decided a narrative and then I cherry pick quotes out of context to build said narrative. It's like a freshman, they decide, they decide on their thesis statement first before doing any research. And then they go out there and try to find information that proves their thesis. And then they go out there trying to find evidence and can't find any evidence. So they just twist whatever narrative or they find bad sources. First of all, she doesn't cite any of this stuff, right? Which is, I think, deliberate because if she actually linked to where these quotes came from, and, and all I did was honestly just try to Google where, uh, just type some of these quotes she took from FDS into Google to see if I could find the actual original post. So I found a few of them. And then when you read the entire post, it just doesn't say what she says it is or sometimes is like directly contradictory. And so it, it definitely seems like she didn't understand the community whatsoever. She doesn't understand FDS. It looks like she had a very cursory understanding of it, decided to frame it as like an ancillary to red pill because that's literally the laziest way to do it. That's how everybody kind of does. And we are very upset at the disrespect, to be honest. We are fucking anti-red pill. We are counter it's we are counter red pill, okay? And also I feel like disrespectful to our work and our thought, right? Why do we have to always be framed in the context of men? They won't do the work of understanding the community to get the nuance going. They just want the clickbaity headline and because they know it's easier for people to hate on us if they just think we're a female red pill. But even with like the cursory, like even if you just take a look at the front page and then you look at the red pill front page, if FDS was like the red pill, it would be, oh, I'm going to see my sixth dick this evening. Oh, like, how can I scam this guy into sleeping with me? Like, or how I tricked a guy into claiming paternity for a child that wasn't his. <laughs> if FTS was like the red pill or the manosphere, that's the sort of shit we would be saying. But we don't say that because we don't even, do you know what I mean? Like, we don't even want the same outcomes at all. <laughs> like, so, we're not pickup artists, we're put them back artists. <laughs> yeah. Put them down, artists. Yeah. Put their ass back. <laughs> and breaking up with someone is not fucking manipulation. I get, I got DMs all the time from like scrotes and pick me saying that uh, be, walking away at the first sign of disrespect and being willing to break up with someone is manipulating their abandonment issues. And I'm like, fuck off. Okay. I'm <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. You are allowed to break up with anyone for any... Obviously, it's different if you're like, if you don't do this, then I'm going to break up with you. That's giving someone an ultimatum. Obviously, that's not okay. But if someone does something that you don't like and you just end the relationship with that person, that's just... That's just consequences. Free choice in America and Canada and... UK. That's just free choice. <laughs> Dems the brakes, guys. <laughs> I thought these people were all about choosy choice feminism, but apparently choosing not to do what men want is not an option to them. <laughs> well, we don't choose to do what men want. It's a problem for men, but also feminists, apparently. But anyway, she she actually tries to frame this like we're being the pick-me's here. Yeah. 
So let's start with the first paragraph. So the, the title of the article is Inside Female Dating Strategy, the subreddit that teaches women to level up against scrotes and fuckboys. Found in reaction to the red pill, it's an example of everything that can go wrong when, quote, keeping the enemy closer. Pick me story time. Female dating strategy wants to help women navigate the horrors of heterosexuality. The growing subreddit describes a dating landscape in which women are up against everything from sexual assault to reproductive control, the orgasm gap to the sexual double standard. Facts. Yeah, the, like these are all legitimate problems that women are facing. So, so far, so good. Correct. Um, but for FDS, the prescription isn't political, but rather looks like something from a 1950s dating manual. Women should tailor their personalities and engineer their dating life in order to get what they want from men. <laughs> so that's just, I mean... This is just slander now. This is literally slander. When we literally say the opposite. A, a 1950s dating man would be like, make sure to get on your knees and take off your husband's boots the moment he walks through the door and like cook him a meal and stuff. You won't see that shit in the FDS handbook. I honestly think she might have gone to red pill women and just got us confused. Yeah. So also the comment about women should engineer their personalities and their dating life in order to get what they want from men. I'm not exactly sure what she's referring to, but we're talking, what FDS says is we say you should level up your self-esteem, be a high value woman, have high standards and high boundaries. I feel like saying, oh, you're engineering your personality to get a man. That's, again, peak Darvo. Like, th- like, <laughs> bitch, this is what you were doing all these years, right? Yeah, like loving yourself and liking yourself. Yeah, that's a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, like she was the one talking about giving blowjobs to men and thinking it was hot to sexually be sexually servicing men. She's the one who's been tailoring herself for men. So... Yeah, it's just the ultimate Darbo. And and the thing about it is she says the prescription isn't political. And this is a theme in the rest of the article where she says that we have no political interest, which is just false. But I'm also just wondering, um, uh, sis, uh, how do you expect to govern men's sexuality, right? Like in a dating and sex sphere, it's like, are you supposed to confiscate Tinder from Scrotes or <laughs> ban Scrotes from Hinge 2021? That's going to be, I'm going to run for office and that's going to be my platform. So let's continue. Um, She says, in the parlance of the subreddit, women should avoid worthless scrotes and should always avoid slanging pussy to fuck boys. Fact. Yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling bad about any of this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not ashamed of that. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) She says women should also maximize their looks. Your beauty, confidence, good company is a commodity and you can get anything for men that crave just that writes one FDS poster. Men do anything and everything to gain attention from women. So this is an example of floating a quote. She says, Uh, She's trying to imply that FDS is like lookist and that we tell women that you should look really hot for a man. That's what she's implying. That's the outrageous claim she's making. And then the quote she chooses is your beauty, confidence and company. Like two of those three things are not look related. Beauty, confidence and good company. The other thing is it takes the quote out of context. The context of this quote isn't saying you need to look smacks. It's saying that you have worth as a woman. Men want you to be around you because of just the way that you are as a woman. And you need to understand your power and leverage that. So, you know, men will do anything to get attention from women. It's not so like it has nothing to do with looks maxing. Yeah, it's just discussing the kinds of things that they value. It's, this is the currency that men, yeah, tend to traffic in. And let's not be delusional. Men do care about looks. So. We're not telling women to get ble- uh, breast implants and dye your hair blonde and like get fucking fillers and shit. Like you won't see it. But that's the thing. Like wh- when she says women should maximize their looks, she's implying that that's the sort of advice that we would give. But the closest thing that she could get was your beauty, confidence and good company. Two of those things are not 
look related. So anyways, founded in 2019, FDS has drawn comparisons to the broader manosphere, the collection of online communities united in feminist backlash. Even the description of the subreddit has shades of the manosphere. Quote, we focus on effective dating strategies for women who want to take control of their dating lives. End quote. It reads, compare that to the notoriously misogynistic, the red pill subreddit, quote, discussion of sexual strategy in a culture increasingly lacking a positive identity for men. See, they're not even the same thing. Like we're talking about dating and they're talking about sexual strategy. I mean, you know, sexual strategy is part of dating, but the red pill is like literally only referring to that. They're not talking about dating. They're talking about sex. They're not the same thing. <laughs> I mean, she took, she pulled those quotes because they both contain the word strategy, but she doesn't take into account what the end goal is and what the strategies actually are. So FDS, the strategy is to avoid abuse or to avoid being exploited or experiencing bad treatment from men. Where you talk about who want to take control of their dating lives because a lot of women feel like they have no control in their dating life because we live in a patriarchal world where women generally don't have as much power as men. And so we're a strategy to help women feel more powerful in the dating world. And the red pill is more about like this quote, discussion of sexual strategy and culture increasingly lacking a positive identity for men. That's just PR for like, this is for men who want to just fuck a bunch of women. Like that's their goal. Their goal is to maintain the patriarchy. Our goal is to end the patriarchy. So literally the opposite goals. So should we continue? As Madeline Holden at Mel observed, both communities are gender essentialists and see heterosexual relationships as the ultimate prize requiring ruthless strategizing and gaming. At FDS, we don't think heterosexual relationships are the ultimate prize. A happy life for a woman with or without a man is the ultimate prize. Yeah. We, we tell women all the time that you should be happy single so that when you do eventually date, the man has to be really awesome in order for him to add value to that. And so one of the more important things, lessons with FDS is decentering men from your life. When you go into dating, being desperate and like wanting a man at all costs that causes you to engage in, in pick me behavior. When you go into it, thinking that, oh, I don't need a man, I don't need a relationship, it puts you in a much more powerful position. So you basically need to benchmark men against yourself as opposed to benchmarking them against each other, because then you'll probably make a much better decision as to which one you want to be with. Exactly. So yeah, ultimate prize at FDS is to be a high value woman and have a great life with or without a man. And she, she doesn't actually cite a source like i was thinking when i was reading this state your sources like she's basically quoting somebody else who's got it wrong and that's her source like this would this would not fly in academia at all like <laughs> at all again instead of contacting she didn't even contact anyone from fds she didn't put a source from the subreddit yeah again it would be like writing a history of the vikings but then only quoting like the english monks who got raided by the vikings so you know, you're cho you're only choosing to platform the haters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mel Magazine is a uh, the magazine for Dollar Shave Club for men. So, of course, they hate us, right? Like, they're, they're, they're a free magazine distributed by the Dollar Shave Club for men. So, why you would look at their writers and think they were going to accurately assess who we are seems pretty insane. Yeah. It would be like writing a, a biography about Andrea Dorkin, but then only... Instead of, you know, reading anything that Andrea Dorkin actually wrote, then only quoting the people who called her like a fat, ugly femme cell or whatever, right? So, um, 
yeah, you're not going to get a complete narrative doing that. Anyways, Dominique, we continue. Dominique Sicily advice pointed out that both rely on Take biological determinism and cliquish jargon, which again, like cliquish jargon, like every subreddit has in-group gar- jargon, right? In-group shorthand, right? Like that's just the nature of subreddit. Yeah. Like all kinds of groups have their own jargon to refer to whatever like industry or group it is. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't, you don't see people saying, oh, like you have your own in-group jargon, just like the red pill. Like the red pill and FDS, we're not the only ones that have our own own in-group jargon. Not by a long shot. Let's just do a recap. So up until now, what we have in common with the red pill is we have uh, the word strategy in one of our taglines. And also we use subreddit shorthand. Let's make a list actually, bro. You want to keep tabs like write write down what Oh, I'm gonna keep tabs. I'm keeping track. Things that FDS has in common with the red pill is one, using the word strategy, <laughs> two, uh talking about relationships, three, um having in-group language. On a subreddit, which is all of the subreddits. All of the subreddits have this. Yeah. So <clears throat> the manosphere, for example, has average frustrated chimps or AFC. <laughs> AFCs. That's fucking funny, though. Anyways, meaning men who aren't good with women, and they're supposed opposite, the alpha male of the group, or AMOG. <laughs> I'd never heard of that before this article, but that's hilarious. Why are these sons? Yeah. Why are these Incels are nothing if they're not funny, to be honest, sometimes. Like, sometimes the things that they go to... You got to just chef's kiss for like the (laughs) cell phone, to be honest. (laughs) So she continues. One of the primary aims of FDS is getting commitment from HVMs on their own terms. Parentheses. FDS's disregard for certain types doesn't end with men. It also has little respect for women they call pygmishas, a woman in thrall of pygmy culture who will do anything for a man to pick them. Like you, Tracy. Um... I don't know. Do you have any commentary on that? Yeah, we want to date someone good. Yeah, we want a high quality partner. That's not like revolutionary. The thing about this is like, it's just shorthand for you want to date someone who has value to you of some kind. Whenever people criticize this language, they're never really like, they never really criticize the idea behind it so much as they're just mad that we made a shorthand for it, which seems weird to me. Yeah. Again, it's it's the Hitler drank water too fallacy. Like, I, I always do that whenever people make these kinds of comparisons. It's like, oh, do you drink water? You know who else drank water? Hitler. Therefore, you're just like Hitler. Like, you know, um, you find whatever tangential connection between two things to say that they're the same. So anyways, these parallels are by design. FDS was started in reaction to the notorious men's rights subreddit, The Red Pill. No, we fucking weren't. We were started in reaction to bad dating advice on Reddit for women, a bunch of women suffering in the dating world, okay? It wasn't even like necessary for us to react to Red Pill because just the regular degular dating advice that was going on on Reddit was really, really, really bad. It was influenced by the red pill. Yeah, and yeah, to be fair, some of that was influenced by the red pill, but some of that was just normal-ass Reddit scrotes writing terrible advice and being like, oh, your man's uninterested in you sexually. Have you tried watching porn and jerking off while he plays video games? Oh, he uh, broke your dog's legs and choked you out the last time he was mad at you. Um, have you tried communicating? You might want to get a couple's therapists for that, yeah. Rather than like fucking run, you know? Yeah, like insane things, dangerous things to women. That's that's what female dating strategy was created in response to. But the deepest similarity between FDS and the broader manosphere is more than winking. Ac- <laughs> Even she says that so far there's very tangential 
connection. She's like, uh, it's more than winking acronymic references and romantic strategizing. Both perceive the world as unjust only from a drastically different perspective, either tilting in women or in men's favor. I mean, yeah, we're talking about patriarchy. Is she really doing the whole, like, both sides have it bad thing? Well, so, like, the paragraph she basically says that everything is just surface level. Everything she mentioned before seems is basically surface level. And now she's trying to say, like, our general ethos is the same. But I'm like, what? But all you're describing is, is, is patriarchy, right? I mean, she's basically, uh, let me finish this paragraph. So in both cases, that unfairness, the rigged game of it all is used to justify an unapologetically selfish approach that strategically controls and exploits other people. So a couple things to unpack there. One, uh, we, we live in a patriarchy, you know, male supremacy is real. Um, and so by saying that FDS and the red pill are the same, like she's basically forgetting that misogyny exists. It's again, this is supposed to be a feminist magazine. And so this is where I kind of say, or like, I think they changed their, their tagline to a supposedly feminist website because people kept calling them on their bullshit so much. <laughs> but this is kind of one of those things where, um, in her quest to kind of say, to basically both sides this argument or just say that we just have so many uh, parallels to the red pill. I feel like she inadvertently... She ends up validating the red pill. Yeah, she's validating the red pill. And it, I, I guess I would love to hear her explain what she believes patriarchy is then. The, the idea behind patriarchy is that like men are at an advantage in society. And that doesn't that doesn't exclude dating, sex, and relationships. In fact, like it, that's arguably that can be like the biggest place where patriarchy ends up playing out. Yeah. And then the second half, she says, the unfairness, the rigged game of it all, is used to justify an unapologetically selfish approach that strategically controls and exploits other people. Here's the thing: FDS, we tell women how to spot red flags and then break up with him if he does this stuff. I'm dick. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we're not interested in controlling low-value men. We just don't want to be around them. And not to mention, it's it's pretty impossible. I mean, unless... Unless you're, like, a next-level sociopath. It's, it's just impossible. And it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your time and energy to try to game men that way. I mean, who cares? Like, it's like getting blood out of a stone. Trying to exploit a low-value man. There's nothing to exploit. <laughs> they have nothing to provide to you. <laughs> Yeah. The reason why the red pill tries to exploit women is because they want, they need things from us, which is validation, sex. And company. Mommy McBang made type shit. Yeah. Like women actually provide things of value. All the things we described that men value, they need those things from us more so than we necessarily get it from them until we've learned to live without it. Yeah. (laughs) But the most annoying thing about this quote is that she's, she's talking about like the tactics that the red pill uses, which are basically emotional abuse, like negging, dread game. There's a lot of red pill tactics that are basically just like straight up manipulation and emotional abuse, or even just straight up abuse. Like what we do is we just break up with men when they're being shitty. So I really think it's actually very fucked up to compare emotional abuse and to say that breaking up with your emotional abuser is just as bad as being emotional abusive right? That's basically what she's saying. She's like saying breaking up with someone who's emotionally abusing you is equally as bad as emotionally abusing someone is pretty much 
the secret meaning behind that. Continuing on, these communities have a fundamental shared politics, even as they stand in supposed opposition to one another. It's a neoliberal ideology of self-interest, individualism, personal responsibility, and political apathy. Quote, you really have to know what game you're playing. The game men have created and control, writes one poster. Pretending to be naive, stupid, or giving riffraff a chance against your instinctive better judgment only cements your position as a loser in this game. What's wrong with that? Once again, not sure where this quote is from. Again, this is an example of floating a quote where she makes the outrageous claim and then follows that up with a quote that's not related to the outrageous claim. So she's not providing any evidence to actually back up what she's saying. It's so you think she has evidence to back up what she's saying, basically, but she doesn't. Yeah, and the whole thing about that is like, again... Just oh, this is we're, we're we've been called neoliberals now. So I just want to be clear: what's the tally of things we've been called? We've been called fascists. We've been called leftists. We've been called conservatives. Uh, we've been called pretty much every single thing. What I find interesting is that she doesn't really uh, present the alternative to what she would call neoliberal ideology of self-interest, individual personal responsibility, and political apathy. We're talking about sex and dating. But she she takes our uh, our strategies of trying to survive it as tacit acceptance of it or that the idea that like we just are going to live in this patriarchy forever and that we think it's fine. No, it's just that you have to do a two prong strategy like you can't you can't operate in a world in a future that doesn't exist. Of course, it'd be great if things were different, but it's going to take time to do that. And most of us are going to be dating and having relationships. So what are we going to do for women here and now while you have these lofty future undetermined future goals everyone's talking about it upending the patriarchy upending the patriarchy first of all when you're talking about political action that takes a very long time but secondly when it comes to like your personal relationships like that is individual like like you have to set the standard you have to create consequences within your dating and sexual space against not complying with uh basic decency or or the standards that we send we set in a relationship. And so you have to be aware of the factors contributing to that. So you know how to respond accordingly. And that's what makes FDS FDS. So moving on, but in guarding against the red pill, FDS seems to have absorbed its basic value. So basically she's making the case that even though FDS tries to be anti red pill or guard themselves against red pill by keeping your enemy close, you become like your enemy is basically the case that she's trying to make. So she continues on the red pill delusionally believes we live in a world that benefits women to the detriment of men. Okay. She's finally addressing the white, the whole gynocracy is shit kind of thing. So uh, to the detriment of men, particularly when it comes to sex and relationships, this perceived injustice is rooted in evolutionary psychology, specifically the idea that women are biologically designed to sleep with alphas in the interest of securing good genes for their offspring while relying on sad beta providers. Additionally, says the red pill, Feminism has emerged as a sexual strategy, allowing women to reach the best position they can find to select mates to determine when they want to switch mates to locate the best DNA possible and to garner the most resources they can individually achieve. The red pill is a corrective designed to allow men to get what they want, despite supposed evo psych setbacks and the rise of feminism. So imagine building an entire uh, strategy and philosophy around the idea that you just found out yesterday that women want to fuck attractive men. That's like, that's basically the red pill in a nutshell is like someone told them in their life that a woman was going to love them for them. And then they saw all the like attractive, tall, sexy men get fucked a lot. And they're like, I was lied to. Someone told them that they were going to get a wife by basically doing nothing, right? Just like their dads did. Because before, with patriarchy, we've talked about this, patriarchy is affirmative action for men, 
where it helps them to get a wife because women are economically dependent on them versus if women had the choice, we choose to have sex with more physically attractive men, right? Duh. Yeah. I, it's weird. <laughs> Who doesn't want to have sex with an attractive person, right? Or a person they find attractive, yeah. They're upset about this, though. The other implication of this article is she says the red pill delusionally believes. So she's admitting that, like, the red pill is wrong, but that she's building this case that FDS and the red pill are the same. So is she implying that misogyny or patriarchy is also delusional? Does she think that women are delusional for thinking that patriarchy exists? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's 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 not well written. So it's there's so many times where you can't really... It's not clear. Yeah, you can't... It's not clear. I feel like it's purposely ambiguous. And then she doesn't really, you know, explain her points. So anyways, she continues. Similarly, FDS is deeply enthralled by evolutionary psychology around mating and reproduction, but specifically focuses on men competing for sexual access to women. A post on FDS website announces, alongside a comparison to chimpanzees, all males are hardwired to mate guard. From this belief in primate-like courtship inclinations, women are encouraged to, quote, at all times, trigger that alleged guarding instinct and strictly serve sexual access for men who have demonstrated good character and significant investment. So what's wrong with only having sex with men who have demonstrated good character and significant investment? I think she's trying to tie the Evo psych parallels here. But again, it's like she doesn't do an analysis of which one she thinks are correct or which one she thinks are incorrect. But she just points out the idea that they have Evo psych here. So it must be some kind of wrong um, or insidious idea. But I'm also like, there's sort of there's a bunch of Evo psych out there. And there's a bunch of competing narratives. Jezebel has their own narrative that they take from Evo psych. The question is, is like, why are we being lambasted for using Evo Psych to do an aggressively pro-female narrative? It looks like Red Pill is using Evo Psych to do an aggressively pro-male narrative. Jezebel has Evo Psych that they use to do certain types of narratives that they feel like benefits their bottom line, right? Like, the, I guess I'm saying she hasn't explained why using Evo Psych is incorrect, especially when it's something that's very, very pervasive in media. Yeah, Evo Psych is like really in right now. A lot of people talk about Evo Psych, not just Red Pillars and FDS. Again, this is not unique to FDS. It's the Hitler drank water too fallacy. We just take aggressively uh, pro-female narratives for Evo Psych, right? We don't try to pretend that it's um, we're trying to be fair, right? So I think these other places, but the, the insidiousness of these other types of media that pretend that their Evo Psych is fair and balanced and without bias is that it's often bullshit. It's written by scrotes who live in academia, who want to prove that women really like dad bods. So they make these bullshit studies and then say evolutionary psychology shows that women prefer men with big pot bellies because it shows that they're um, good providers and they could secure food resources. And therefore, dad bods are sexually superior to women than those guys with washboard abs, right? And we've seen studies like this be published by publications by like Jezebel, right? Like, so when we say, so when they say Evo Psych, when she, when she references our references to Evo Psych, she doesn't really say that anything that we're referencing is necessarily wrong. Like she's writing it as though it's self-evident that using Evo Psych is bad, but she's not explained why it's bad. Because it's literally everywhere, including their website. So continuing on, women who do not withhold sex are seen as betraying the sisterhood. As a post on the S FDS website puts it, slanging pussy to fuckboys creates male entitlement and reinforces their sexist worldview. I mean, it does. 
So facts. we've made the comparison that women who have sex with men who have bad character and low investment are, are lowering the bar for men. <laughs> and it's true. They are. It does. Yeah. You got to fight the patriarchy at both the political and personal level. Like it, again, she doesn't offer an alternative to FDS ever, but Yes, part of forcing men to respect you is withholding things they value until they respect you, right? You don't just like give them things and then be like, respect me, respect me afterwards. You need to respect me, exactly. You, bad negotiating tactic, first of all. <laughs> but then secondly, if you keep rewarding people who don't respect you with your company and sex, then they're going to keep thinking that's okay to do. That's not even like a, a groundbreaking FDS strategy. I feel like every therapist worth their salt will tell you that. This is basically like behavioral science. This is, this is, this is, you know, where like the whole concept of, you know, disciplining a child comes in, right? You know, spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm not saying you should hit your kids, but children need consequence and so do men. And it seems like consequence is the only language in my experience that men actually understand. If you're standing in front of them, you know, paragraphing, giving sermons as to why they've treated you like shit. It doesn't work. It literally doesn't work. Everyone will say people respect people who respect themselves. You're not showing respect for yourself when you have sex with people who don't respect you. You're showing that it's okay for them to treat you that way. And you you believe you deserve that treatment. And again, I feel bad because this woman's clearly been through, been through it. <laughs> She's been through it, right? She's got a lot of internalized misogyny. And again, she uses that term withholding sex. I absolutely hate this term because, you know, you withhold something that, that somebody is entitled to, like food or their wages or something. But men are not entitled to sex. It isn't a punishment if we don't want to have sex with a man for him. It isn't, it isn't something that he's entitled to from us. Having sex is a privilege. Yeah. Okay, not a right. We've compared pick-me's to people who like cross a picket line and go back to work when there's some kind of a union strike. Only having sex with men who respect you and who have shown investment, that's like the workers who don't go to work unless they're being paid a fair wage and are operating under safe conditions. Pick-me's who fuck guys on the first date after being disrespected, I do see it as a betrayal of the sisterhood because when you fuck guys who treat you like shit, you're teaching them that treating women like shit is what will get you sex. And then guess what? After that, they go on and they treat other women like shit. They feel validated in that worldview. So it's not, it's not to blame. And again, it is not to blame women for men's behavior. And I want to make sure that we say that it is to say like, listen, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a community, right? And culture, cultural change doesn't happen except for when collective action happens for people to believe this is the standard we're going to set for our society. And that's how all of it changes, not just us. And then here, here in this paragraph, she says, parentheses, full disclosure, earlier this year, the FDS Twitter account called me, quote, an architect of everything wrong with sex posi feminism, end quote, in response to coverage of my book. And then she continues on, like, that was such a weird parentheses, because it's in the middle of a paragraph talking about something else entirely. But she, I like how she put that in the middle of a paragraph, in the middle of the article, to bury it, to be like, this is totally not like a... <laughs> I, I don't have a vendetta against them. She's not an objective source, basically. Yeah, she's not She's not a reliable narrator, let's just say. Um, so she continues, <clears throat> Withholding sex and generating mate competition is a key way for women to get what they want from men, whether it's money or marriage, says FDS. Sex work, however, is hatefully treated as abhorrent and shameful. Quote, Your hoo-ha runs the world. Men run on your time and will do anything to get between your legs. End quote, says one post. So again, ridiculous claim. 
sex work is treated as abhorrent and shameful. And then she talks about your hoo-ha runs the world, like pussy is power kind of stuff. I don't see how those two related. Like the pussy is power thing is not evidence that we think that sex work is abhorrent and shameful. Like if you wanted to make that claim, you could pull a quote or something of someone criticizing sex work or something, but she didn't even do that. Like it's just lazy writing. She makes it seem like we're manipulating them rather than weeding out men that are not compatible with the things that we need in our relationships, right? And the reason why it's different from sex work is because sex work is inherently coerced sex to get uh, for economic benefit, meaning like these women who are doing sex work, they're economically dependent on men. So then they are performing a service to sexually uh, please men. We're not performing shit for men. I mean, she's she's just reinforcing that like manosphere quote that all women are prostitutes, even wives. Wives are just prostitutes on a longer term contract. So she says the for women to get what they want from men, whether it's money or marriage, and then compares wanting money or marriage for men. And she doesn't, she doesn't include respect, sexual compatibility, orgasms, orgasms, all the things that she wrote in the beginning that we're up against. She doesn't seem to connect the fact that we are delaying sex until we can evaluate a man's ability to, uh, first of all, make sure they're not a rapist or an abuser, uh, making sure that they're not going to do any type of a coercive reproductive control, make sure they're not a loser, make sure they're able to sexually satisfy us, and also that they're not like sexist and going to hold us to some weird double standard. Those are all things you're supposed to assess about a person before you fuck them, I would think. So she said, okay, so she finally gets to the part where she acknowledges patriarchy exists. She says, FDS is right about one thing, a patriarchal landscape that oppresses women. It takes issue with physical and emotional violence against women, particularly within the context of heterosexual relationships. FDS accurately notes structural inequalities for straight women in sex and dating, while the manosphere reacts to women's greater independence as a crime against men. But the respective rightness and wrongness of these two communities' perceptions of injustice is overshadowed by their shared belief in individuals aiming themselves to ruthlessly excel with a rigged contest. So let's unpack that. So she says that FDS is right, the patriarchy exists. Um, Red Pill is wrong because they think patriarchy does not exist. She acknowledges we do address the structural inequalities of straight women. But then she says she basically the next part, she's saying that because we're focusing on an individualist uh, model uh, within a rig contest, and she says in both realms, political action is spurred in favor of self-help. So again, what political action is she talking about? Like, how can we force men to treat individual like, how do you, on a political scale, do what is essentially a cultural problem? Are we going to make it illegal for a man to have sex with a woman and not make her come, right? Like, Right, exactly. From a practical standpoint, how would we make this legally binding, right? How would we make this a political action much, much more than like just being an awareness of like how to vet for the kind of men who are actually going to be beneficial to you, right? And it also assumes that like, even if we were to try to do some kind of political action, men wouldn't figure out how to game that right? Like say we did something. It's not like, this is not like a thing that just stops. This is a cat and mouse game that's been going on for eternity. And anytime we create some kind of new progress as women, men figure out how to exploit it to their sexual benefit. So when they say these kind of political action things, I'm like, first of all, we're not saying you can't do any type of political action. She doesn't offer any political action, but for these individual relationship type problems, it does, it does, rely on women being able to uphold and have the courage and understanding of what they're up against so that they can properly uphold their boundaries when necessary. Continuing on, she says, in both realms, political action is spurned in favor of self-help. She explains how, you know, 
the red pill sees men at the as at the mercy of a state that does not care for their existence and must therefore use any means necessary to achieve personal happiness. Similarly, a popular FDS post explains why playing patriarchy is favorable to fighting it. False. False. This this is actually a place where I get really upset because the quote that she pulls this from actually... Let, let me just read the quote first. So, quote, sure, we all want to get rid of patriarchy, but instead of letting it get us down and hopeless, some women have turned to shrugging, admitting it is what it is, and using it to live their ideal life, end quote, writes one user in explaining the FDS approach. Quote, it's going to be a long time before patriarchy is dismantled, so why not make life enjoyable for you? End quote. So, Ro, please explain why this quote is taken out of context. The actual, um, the full post that she pulled this from, and again, I had to Google it because she didn't link shit. And I think she doesn't link stuff on purpose. So, this is a, the, the overall title of the quote is about how, like, the awakening women hold more power than they think and can use it to get everything they deserve. There's a quote right above the quote that she takes that says, for my ladies who have given up, love, good men, being moral and doing things the right way. There are ones who will peep game and use patriarchy to their advantage. And there's ones who pe- will peep game and want to destroy the patriarchy. Neither is wrong. So basically this paragraph, she's saying that like, yes, like there are, it's not that it's preferable. It's that these are two different tactics, meaning like these are two different strategies to do it. So she says, those that want to destroy patriarchy are best, are basically FDS's audience. There we go. It says right here. The p- women who want to destroy patriarchy are are basically FDS's audience. This includes getting everything on your own, no depending on men, and absolutely no pandering to men, not looking for good men, etc. Safe route, nothing wrong with it. Sure, we all want to get rid of patriarchy, but instead of letting it get us down and hopeless, some women have turned to shrugging, admitting it is what it is, and using it to live their ideal life. It's going to be a long time for patriarchy is dismantled. Why not make life enjoyable for you? I don't date men that can't elevate or improve my life in any way. So she's saying that like this is this is a two-pronged strategy. Meaning both you need to, uh, both FDS's RDs are the ones who want to destroy patriarchy, but also learn tools to work within it while we're still in it. Period. So she, she pulls the second part of the quote, quote, and then ignores the entire first part of it. And then says, we don't want to do that, which is just false. It's, it's false on the actual post that she pulled it from. Extremely intellectually dishonest. Yeah. And the other thing, like the quote that she's talking about, we have a good point. Like I saw an article that was like, oh, at the rate we're going, it's going to take like 200 years before women achieve wage equality with men. Oh my God. A lot of the goals that we have as feminists is going to take a long time and several generations to achieve. And we're not there yet. It's a, you know, we're working towards a goal, but at the same time, you have to learn to work within what you have to work with what you've got, right? Yes, we want to dismantle patriarchy, but at the same time, patriarchy is still here. So we have to be smart about the dyna- the power dynamics inherent in patriarchy, how to live our best possible life in spite of it. My problem with sex posi feminism is that they've essentially acted like, oh, we've already dismantled the patriarchy. Women can fuck whoever we want, free love. Pretending like we've already vanquished the patriarchy is very naive. And secondly, I think it's one of the ways that patriarchy has inadvertently perpetuated itself is by tricking us into thinking it no longer exists. And so, yeah, women have a ton of casual sex and a lot of women are not enjoying it or have experienced rape or abuse or just, you know, bad sex, right? So you can act like patriarchy has ended but when patriarch when you're acting that way in a world where patriarchy still exists you're gonna, just gonna fuck yourself over um the attitude of shrug it is what it is is a perfect reflection of the red pills long-standing apathy it wasn't until uh, blah 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 i don't know i'm getting bored with this yeah i don't know where she's going with this red pill thing 
She's just trying to juxtapose us to them, even though it doesn't really, it doesn't align. It doesn't align at all. Yeah. And so she says in both communities, the personal gain requires personal improvement. Red pill. She's giving a fucking ad to the red pill. (laughs) She's saying the red pill emphasizes mental and physical fitness in the journey from beta to alpha. Similarly, FDS users advise women to work towards uh, traits of the very most desirable women who exist at the very highest end of the bell curve. The ones who can barely avoid tons of men wanting to commit to them forever. I feel like this quote is taken out of context as well. Yeah, this is, um, this is in our handbook. It's just traits of the most desire. It's just like basically one of the high, how to be a high value women post. Personal gain requires personal improvement, meaning like you got to be more attractive to fuck more attractive people. I don't think that's controversial. And I feel like she she sprinkles a bunch of stuff in here that's not true. Like, necessarily, FDS holds men's commitment as an ultimate goal. No, <laughs> we talked about our ultimate goal, which is for women to live, like, ha- have happily fulfilled lives. Commitment is worthless for most men. If the man is low value, the commitment is worth nothing. Yeah, the commitment is only worth as much as the man has actual value to you. And so... The idea is to actually secure a relationship or a series of relationships with men who provide value to you. That is FDS's goal. Commitment as it as it stands is basically worthless. You know, just just to get it. Because otherwise, again, you just be the regular old dating advice, like how to how to lock down a man for marriage. And that's not us. So she goes on to like talk about the rules and why men love bitches and some other books that, you know, we've mentioned in our reading list. And then she finally gets this is the this is the most egregious part, actually. This is the biggest lie in the whole article. She says FDS women are encouraged to own their desires and make demands, but specifically in the interest of attracting high value men so that they can get what they want from those men. Quote, when a man has found his dream girl, he was, he will ditch his old ways and become the man that she expects to have, says one post. The woman who becomes a man's dream girl is a woman that has standards, end quote. Having standards frequently manifests on FDS as adhering to old-fashioned courtship ideals, like a man taking a woman on a nice dinner date, opening the door for her, and speaking on her behalf to the waiter. FDS teaches women to instrumentalize themselves and other people in the interest of getting ahead. So, first of all, we have a post saying specifically that a man will not change for his dream girl. She's saying that we said that men will change for their dream girl. Like, basically, she's spreading that lip them idea that, like, if you do everything right and act exactly the way he wants, then he will be the man that you want him to be. False. We've said over and over in FDS, he needs to come right from the beginning, right? Like, it's not realistic to expect a man to change for you. I think, so she pulls this from one of um, the posts, a post called uh, Know What Your Standards Are and Stick to Them. And again, out of context, basically the entire post is just describing the kind of behavior that uh, a man who respects and likes you does, right? It's not saying that like, if he uh, is the type of guy to disrespect women, that he's going to change specifically for you. And I think she just misreads that the the funniest part to me was like her saying that you know standards are old-fashioned courtship ideals like a man taking a woman out on a nice dinner date opening the door for her and speaking on her behalf why is that seen as a bad thing why do lib femmes act like it's regressive and shitty to want to be treated well and unfeminist for a man to take you on a nice dinner date and open the door for you right like it, what, it's so funny coming from the jezzies because they're like you know what i love is a man who grabs me by the hair and makes me cry when i give a blowjob and like chokes me out and leaves bruises and like yeah it's ironic coming from her yeah so she was, why is she acting like we're so unreasonable for wanting or liking men who treat us well this is the false dichotomy of this like specific strain of liberal feminist thought where they're in a competition to show how much abuse they can take for men 
uh, to see, to say, to own their desires. But if women like are in a competition of how well we can be treated by men, it's wrong. Yeah. Right. That it's like, it's unfeminist. Why is it seen as a bad thing for a man? Why is it seen as bad and unfeminist for a man to treat you well? Right. But why is it feminist for a man to choke you out during a blowjob? And I know she, I know she says she like specifically struggles with it, but it also just seems like, why is that? Why is it an okay choice or a feminist choice or like a choice that we should be supported or like a choice with agency when it's around degradation and sexual disrespect? But if we choose something else that's old fashioned and we're like, we're setting them back. Cause I'm like, it, it seems like, uh, it seems like a recreation of a gender role. If you're asking men to do pornified sex to you. Yeah. That's just a different gender role, but it's a worse one. It's just a different gender role versus like being treated well by them. So I would fucking rather be treated like a princess than be treated like a whore. I'm sorry to say that, but that's like, I mean, true. That I know it's going to sound really mean. That's true. So she says, FDS teaches women to instrumentalize themselves and other people in the interest of getting ahead. I'm like, first of all, getting ahead where? Where are we going? Having a dinner date? Yeah, having a dinner date, I guess. <laughs> She's acting like it's so nefarious to want a guy to take you on dates and like open the door for you. I'm looking for a guy who will ask me about my day and like who, you know, makes me come and treats me well and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so you're willing to do anything to get ahead. Get ahead. I'm like, ahead of where? Where? As if it's like a bad thing. I don't understand where she thinks we're going. That's that's kind of the confusing a part of this whole thing. But she's like encouraged to own your desires and make demands. But she said specifically in interest of attracting high value males. And we're saying that's just flat out false. It's own your desires and make demands. And high value men will be attracted to your desires and demands. So they'll want to actually make you happy, right? They'll bring the value that you expect to you. You're not tailoring your personality to attract them. You're expecting them to bring value to you. The next paragraph is one that I I saw as a personal attack. No, I'm kidding. Um, this next paragraph really bothered me a lot. She says, the FDS personal improvement mentality necessarily places responsibility on individual women, women for avoiding victimhood and exploitation, which is of course inherently victim blaming. Quote, you have to be repulsive to predators. Be the opposite of what predators look for writes one poster. Predators look for someone naive or people with unresolved traumas. If you are naive, either completely avoid men or learn not to be naive. If you have any traumas, work on them. End quote. She sets up a false binary here. She sets up a false binary that because we advocate for personal responsibility in the sense that like we're giving women strategies to avoid victimhood and exploitation, we must be blaming them for that. That has that's that's not that doesn't follow. Like she made an entire editorial choice here that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're not blaming women for being exploited. We're just like saying, here's the tools to avoid it because most people, if they knew, would choose it. And then she continues, quote, young women need to be aware of the behaviors of men, how to recognize them and avoid being destroyed by said men. You need to plan and strategize so that you don't fall victim. Victimhood will not fly here. End quote. I've got a strong sense that this quote has been cut in half. It has, yeah. And there's, you can even see the ellipses, like, that's not the entire, like, comment. Yeah, it's just so dishonest. Okay, oh, here it is, actually. It says, it says, you need to plan and strategize so you don't fall victim. Victimhood will not fly here. You'll have to, you have the power to take charge of your life. You can't sit in your house waiting for Prince Charming. So you need to stop selling yourself short and open your eyes to your truth. Women have more power than they know and your hoo-ha runs the world. So again, she takes she takes this quote when we're talking about not like feeling like sorry for yourself and then a 
equates that to like sexual assault, which is not the case. Again, decontextualized here. Yeah, we're saying like, don't sit around and feel sorry for yourself and expect good things to happen to you. And she's saying, oh, that's victim blaming. (laughs) And we're also saying that a man isn't going to save you as well. And that's also victim blaming, allegedly. So uh, this, what she discusses here, uh, and uh, just to wrap up this, this thread, she says, personal savvy eclipses the systemic threats to women's safety. It is a compelling fantasy of the individual triumphing over injustice. So this concept is something that I actually have struggled with a lot with FDS. I read Jess Taylor's book, Why Women Are Blamed for Everything. And she talks about how self-defense classes and other ways that women might prevent themselves from getting assaulted sort of implicitly place the onus on women to avoid male violence, right? And they're to her, like Jess Taylor does a really good um, way of explaining this. My problem with this narrative, though, even though it's true, my problem with this narrative is that it kind of makes you impotent. It's like, what do you, because men want the exploitation of women to continue. Women don't want it to continue. So if we want things to change, it's a complex conversation because on the one hand, people blame themselves often because they want to feel like they're in control. Unfortunately, we live in an unjust world where shitty things happen to good people and we have no control over that. And so we want to, you know, as humans, we want to make sense of the world. We want to think of things in terms of cause and effect. When something bad happens to someone, we want to think, oh, like they must have had it coming or it was their fault for not preventing it or something like that. Right. So that's just kind of the worldview that we're operating within. That being said, um, I don't think it is beneficial to women. Ultimately, if we want to end male violence, women have to do something about it, right? Because men aren't going to stop it. Men benefit from male violence. They benefit from exploiting women. And we don't want to be exploited. So that means we have to do something about it, right? And we need to do something about it, both on the individual and on the structural level, which we talk about all the time, but she conveniently ignores it. In terms of like, you know, you have to be repulsive to predators, be the opposite of what predators look for. It doesn't mean if you fall victim to a predator, you, that person shouldn't be prosecuted and it's your fault. I think they're they're making it seem like it, she's setting up a false binary where either um, where we're saying that like, if you don't take responsibility and something happens to it's your fault it's difference between assigning fault and then taking responsibility taking responsibility is not assigning fault it's just a matter of like trying to uh, do your best to navigate a system that may or may not be in your favor but still working towards the idea that but still like you know supporting women when they do fall victims but helping them to get up and still make something of their lives. I think she's, she just sets up these false binaries all the time because, and this is something they do because they can't imagine a narrative outside of these like, you know, left wing, right wing type of lib femme narratives where it's not one thing, it must be the other. They have this idea that like, if we say um, not being a victim is beneficial to you or like not wallowing in your victim is beneficially that denies the fact that they're being victims. No, we're just saying that like, this is an effective way to help you either avoid trauma altogether, which is preferable, but also heal from trauma or move past trauma, right? It's not like we're not, we're trying to make sure that you're, that people aren't just like sitting here walling, like there's nothing I can do. I've been a victim or I'm going to be a victim. And they're just kind of treading water, being confused about how to drive forward or drive the car in their own life. Ultimately, what's the alternative, right? 
So we're, we're saying that women need to be aware of the behaviors that men do, their tactics, how to recognize them, how to avoid them. That's labeled victim blaming. My problem with the victim blaming narrative is that it's basically encouraging women to just be in danger and hope nothing bad happens to them. And it's also encouraging us to just hope that men just mutate and and become better. And again, I think there is a fine line between saying women can protect themselves and self-preservation and also expecting men to step up. For me, it gets tricky because it's obvious we can't rely on men as a class to all of a sudden want to be better human beings. If we do that, we're never getting out of the patriarchy, let's be real. It's just not going to happen. I would love to eradicate male violence. I'd love to live in a world where women could just walk the street at night and feel completely safe and not be at risk of male violence and so on, or just enter into relationships and be trusting and naive and just be lucky and not have anything bad happen to them. I would love for us to live into in that kind of world where women didn't have to engage in all of these strategies to protect themselves. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. And it's probably going to be another hundred years, if that, before we eradicate male violence and exploitation of women. And and what oppressed group of you know people like have ever been you know freed from their oppression by just hoping that their oppressor will be nicer to them even if you look at you know civil rights that was you know you you know civil disobedience it was protests and stuff like that um lgbt rights as well like it wasn't just a case of oh we'll just you know carry on and just hope that they'll be nice to us like there needs to be action or there's always action you know from the oppressed group that's just the way the social order is yeah if someone's attacking you you have to do something to protect yourself you know i'm not saying it's your fault if you get attacked no not at all not at all This is this is the word salad they let me preface this. This is this last paragraph this next paragraph is the word salad they do in every single uh mainstream media publication when they don't want to actually address our views on BDSM and porn. They hide it in a paragraph because we've been very explicit about between the podcast and the numerous articles about why we have issues with porn and BDSM. And none of these feminist magazines, none of these mainstream media magazines will fairly represent our points. And they do that because our points are actually completely reasonable, but they don't have a response to it. So this next paragraph, she says like FDS is no stranger to hate. The community takes a moralizing stance against porn and BDSM and exhibits transphobia, whorephobia, and fatphobia. I really dislike the comparison. So the moralizing stance against porn and BDSM is that it's harmful to women. Oh, like we're so horrible giving a shit about women's and their exploitation. Secondly, I don't like how they're comparing transphobia, whorephobia, fatphobia to legitimate critique of the porn industry and the power dynamics of BDSM. Basically comparing like hate speech to critique of an industry that abuses women. And she doesn't provide any receipts. There's no receipts. Yeah, she doesn't give any examples, yeah. And she doesn't really justify how we're whorephobic, transphobic, or fatphobic. Of course, opportunism and desperation tend to play out somewhat differently for women thanks to the systemic inequality that FDS is uninvested in collectively tackling. False! (laughs) False! (laughs) Again, I don't know where she got this from. (sighs) Sis, I don't know how you're addressing systemic inequality by begging men to do the patriarchy to you, okay? 
Yeah, exactly. I don't see how throwing up on a guy's dick is challenging systemic inequality, okay? Fucking speak for yourself. Anyways, continues, FDS gives women advice on using men to their personal benefit, much as the red pill does for men, but unlike in the manosphere, this runs alongside strategizing on legitimate, proportional, reality-based concerns around everything from sexual assault to reproductive control. So she, she says we're just as bad as the red pill. Difference is that the Red Pill's beliefs are based on nothing, and FDS is based on the very real concerns. So basically, she hasn't got an article then. <laughs> yeah, like, she's like, FDS and the Red Pill are just as bad, except that the Red Pill is based on falsehoods, and FDS is based on reality. So we're not like the Red Pill then, right? Like, it- <laughs> She's got no article. She's literally dismantled her article. <laughs> she's literally dismantled her, she literally dismantled her own argument. In that sentence. At the very end. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the the comparisons to us and Red Pill are superficial at best. And again, it's like, what was that tally? I didn't I didn't keep the whole tally. It was like we have in group jargon using the word strategy, talking about dating, Evo Psych, r- vague references to Evo Psych. We're both human beings. We breathe air. We drink <laughs> water <laughs> on Earth. We're mammals. We breathe air. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, end paragraph. Regardless of their mutual disdain or their respective legitimacy of their grievances, FDS and the Red Pill are tied together by their fundamental ethos. Neither of these communities are interested in equality, mutuality, vulnerability, or interdependence. Instead, their focus is on control and manipulation and opportunistic personal advancement via sex and dating. I don't date men that can't elevate or improve my life in any way, writes one FDS poster. I think more women should do this and protect themselves as you won't fall victim to bums that hold you back for years on end. With my ex, I was able to get trips, overseas gifts, protection, devotion, and admiration. That's the that's the final quote. That's the fucking final quote she puts in there. <laughs> What's with these lip thumbs who are so used to getting treated like shit that they think like they think that you're a bad person if you want to be treated well. I don't see a problem. Yeah. I don't, Where's the problem? Again, I don't understand this. I'm not seeing the exploitation. I'm not seeing the abuse. I'm not seeing, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing here that suggests that whatever was given to her wasn't deserved, right? Like, you can make the argument, like, did she browbeat him into it? Did she choke him out? Did she scream at him every day until he bought her gifts? Like, no. They went on a vacation together. Oh my God, she's exploiting him. <laughs> yeah. This, the thing about it, she doesn't explain like why this is bad, why it's exploitation, why it's negative. Like we can explain very clearly why the red pill is abusive and exploitative to women, right? They Their whole premise is things like negative, like negging, like dread game, all that kind of stuff is trying to exhibit emotional abuse. This is just her like insisting on being treated a certain way or walking away from guys or like finding men who'll treat her a certain way right or just finding those guys like not threats not trying to like control them not manipulating them like the sentence i don't date men that can't elevate or improve my life in any way why would you want to date a guy who doesn't like why is that a bad thing why would you want to date a guy who harms your life (laughs) right is that equality and the, and the thing about this is she's saying none of these communities are interested in equality, mutuality, vulnerability, or interdependence. Like, false. Again, if you find a good guy, then it's fine. <laughs> the problem is finding the right guy. She thinks that a maximizing female ve- benefit is against equality. Like, I've seen that argument before that FDS is against equality because they're female supremacists and they want, they advocate for women and... Again, I don't see why that's a bad thing. We live in a patriarchy where women are oppressed. You have to be able to ruthlessly advocate for yourself. 
You need a def- defense and an offense. These people are just focused on defense all the time. Not even that. They're just focused on undermining their own shit. I, I don't understand lib femmes who think that you're a bad person if you want a man to add value to your life. Maybe just because they are used to dating men who subtract value from their life. And so they think that that's the norm. Oh, sorry. There's one more line at the end. I, I didn't read it because it was, I didn't see it at first because it was after they're subscribed to our newsletter bit. She's the last, last sentence is she adds, they recognize quote, they recognize women that know they're the prize end quote. So what's wrong with women seeing themselves as the prize? What's wrong with women valuing themselves with having self-esteem? We're supposed to, we're supposed to chase after men and beg them to like us. Like she does. We're supposed to beg them, want me, pick me. You know what I'm saying? This is bookending the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) We're supposed to chase after men and say, want me. And we're not doing that. So it's a problem for Tracy Clark Flory. Again, she has the same mentality as these sorts of women who, you know, we've talked about this on the Discord in the past, how insecure women can often be the most toxic friends because if they see you doing too well, then they're going to try to tear you down and like destroy you. Yeah. I mean, the thing is she's watching men take an offensive. She's seeing the red pill. She's seeing the manosphere mobilize, create these armies against us. She know, pa- knows patriarchy is real. They have mounted a strong offense. They're trying to run the ball all the way down to our goal. Right. And it's like, she expects us to sit there and pretend like they don't exist instead of like launching an ability to score the other way. Right. And I know I hate. And if we try to score the other way, that's victim blaming or manipulation or exploitative or whatever. Right. Or like all it is, is like balancing the score. Right. Or it's like trying to create some kind of balance because if we don't, then men continue to do what they always do, which is prioritize themselves, privilege themselves, try to subjugate women and then, lo and behold, we end up in another patriarchal or exploitive system. And then lib films are all scratching their heads like, I don't know how we got here. Why are men like this? And like acting confused and shit. And we're like, because you didn't launch an offensive. Like FDS, like I said, since we say we're explicitly pro-female, a self like trying to look for strategies that benefit women, it's because we are trying to uh, create a counterbalance towards patriarchal forces. You can't just sit there and expect men to magically become the kind of men you have. You have to create systems by which they experience consequences for not doing the kinds of behavior that you want. And that includes not slinging pussy to fuck boys because you reinforce their disrespect. You reinforce that you're not worthy of the treatment and the respect that feminists so desperately want in their relationships, right? And in their sex lives. She's a perfect example of a person who never demanded respect, mutuality, reciprocity in any of her relationships. And that's why she never had orgasms in any of them until like the very last one, because you didn't do any of this work. You can't sit there and just keep expecting to find these guys. And you haven't actually done anything to start to weed off and launch an offensive. And it's not your fault that men are like that, but men are like that. So what are you going to do? What's the solution? All this criticism. And this is my, this is my rant about everybody that criticizes FDS. Come up with your own shit. (laughs) (laughs) What's your first script? Tell me the alternative. Tell us the alternative. I will look forward to your book or your article, Tracy Clark Flory, where you describe, or your podcast, where you describe like how to counteract all these forces that are coming from men, not just the manosphere, but porn, everything else that we talk about are that women are up against by sitting around twiddling your thumbs, writing article after article about how men should should be better and how we should educate them and expect them to care and expect things to change and they never do and you sit there and be confused year after year and it will be over here creating strategies running the ball into the end zone and 
and thumbing our noses at you and being like, get your shit together, sis. We'll be waiting here for you. I'm out. Woo! Mic drop. As much as we roast Tracy Clark Flory, I do hope she figures her shit out. And when she does figure her shit out, you know, we'll embrace her with open arms. But as of yet, you know, she's still, she's still got a level up, sis. Bam. (laughs) All right. That's our show. Please check out our Patreon for weekly bonus content, as well as our newly launched Discord if you want to chit chat with us at the Level Up or Queen tiers. And also submit your roast scrotes or queen chits if you want us to read it aloud on the podcast. Also visit our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com. You can check out our forum and also message us on Twitter at femdatstrat. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you jezzies out there, we're going to say die mad, but that's reserved for men. So this is like our very nice contrite. Just do better. Level up, sis. See you next week. Bye.